turn your Bibles to Matthew 1, 1 through 25. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph. And Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram. And Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham. And Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. And Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, As we pause this time of year just to uh, to set aside special attention um, just to your birth, um, we we acknowledge that December is not solely for that, but you know this time of year we we tend to put more emphasis on this, and we what can we say? But this is this is your redemptive plan. This is this is you 
God coming in human form to save us from our sins. And we thank you for your, your grace, everyday mercy, um, more than we realize. We thank you for this. And um, Lord, just in this time, just use me as your vessel to proclaim the truth from your word um, in your name. We pray, amen. So with this being a familiar passage, um, there can be a few temptations we might have. Um, as I was studying for this, I, I, I happened to be listening to a, a totally unrelated sermon, and, and it was written by, it was, uh, by Michael Ramsden, and he's a guy I like to listen to. He's very philosophical. But he, he said a quote in it that even though it's totally unrelated to this passage, he was preaching on something else, it burned in my mind. He said, um, it's hard to explain what you don't understand. And I thought about this, and it's very profound. Um, I was thinking about work. as I, I got a phone call once, and someone asked for, what does this mean? And I, I, I stumbled through it just trying to, like, oh, i got to formulate something together to make this person happy to show that I'm not totally incompetent because I don't know what this one line is in this packet that we're sending out to our customers. So I, I just bumbled through it, trying to just take this and accept it. Um, and, and then I, I was thinking about this, and how does this relate to the Bible? Um, it's hard to explain what we don't understand. Um, why don't we understand it? Um, and, and that's where I kind of want to connect over to this passage. We, we're very familiar with Matthew 1. We're very familiar with Christmas the, the story of the nativity, Jesus' birth, we're, we're very familiar with this. It's, it's, easy, it's easy to sit up here in December and it, it kind of washes over you as um, not as important as it, as it really is. And then, and then we stumble through things. Um, I hope my coworker doesn't ask me this because I don't know how I'm going to formulate this and tell them. I, I know what it is, but I don't, I don't know it well enough or understand it well enough to explain this to them. Um, so our temptation today is to read over Matthew 1. Is, is Matthew merely just saying the genealogy of Christ? Merely pointing out that Joseph was a, a just and righteous man? Merely pointing out that there was an angel there, that you're supposed to name him Jesus? Manual, God with us, merely just pointing out, here's the genealogy, here's the story of Christ from Joseph's perspective. Now you have this information. Or is there more to it? Um, Matthew, Matthew 1 is important. Um, not, just, not just in December. Matthew 1 is very important. It, it is just bursting with doctrine. There's the Trinity, there's grace, there's mercy, there's the God-man, there's the Son of Man, there's the Son of God, there's the Holy Spirit. It is rich with the gospel. And I am still talking about Matthew 1. It is all in there. Um, the temptation is to just let our familiarity with Matthew 1 kind of just breed a little bit of complacency. We, we know this. Um, tell it to us again once a year, but um, if we can, try to avoid that. We, the goal for today, we want to look at Matthew in two sections. There's the genealogy, and then there's Joseph's side of the story. So we'll go through the genealogy, we'll go through Joseph's part of the story, and then 
we'll end by just taking a, a broad, we'll zoom out, take a broad look at Matthew 1 in context of the Bible. Why is Matthew 1 important? Why, you know, we, we know it's important, but, but do we know why it's important? Um, it's hard to explain what we don't understand. All of the Old Testament is pointing towards Matthew 1. Matthew 1 is important. Jesus is the better Adam. Jesus is the only son that would lay his life down for us. He is the better Moses, the better Joshua, who would bring his people to eternal rest. He's the perfect judge. He is the perfect high priest. He is a sacrificial lamb. He is the king of kings. Matthew 1 is the plan. Um, it's not just the Christmas story. Matthew 1 is, Matthew 1 is the plan. It never changed. Since before time, before the world began, Matthew 1 was always the plan. Sometimes, even as I say that, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and I think, oh, how could that be? Before the, before the fall, Matthew 1 was the plan. So, let's dive into Matthew 1. Obviously, Matthew's writing it. Matthew's writing this after um, Christ. So just to kind of remember that when we're, we're going through this. We're, we're familiar with this passage. We're familiar with this genealogy. Um, we've probably heard it before. Um, it's a very traditional part of Christmas. If you look over to Luke, you'll see Luke also has a genealogy. He gives more details, but there's more names in his genealogy. So quickly, when you're looking at the two, you realize Matthew's genealogy looks incomplete. Um, all the names are not mentioned in there. So Either Matthew is terrible at writing genealogies or Matthew is trying to make a bigger point. Matthew breaks his genealogy into 14, 14, 14. Luke gives, gives it all, all the way from you know, Adam all the way to Christ. So obviously Matthew's is different. Both are accurate. Matthew is making a point with his. Um, the most, the, probably the most popular observation about Matthew's genealogy is that there are women in his genealogy. This is different than Luke's. Um, but the four that are in there are not the four that one would traditionally asso um, associate with Jewish history. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah are not in this genealogy, but rather it's Ruth, Rahab, the wife of Uriah, um, there's one other I'm missing, and Tamar. Um, when you look at the four, um, you, you would think, oh, Matthew, what are you doing to your genealogy? You started off great, son, son, of, son of David. You could almost look at uh, the genealogy as a, as a resume of Christ, proving that he is the Christ. Start off with son of David, great. That's an excellent spot. You start off with son of Abraham, looking good. You start adding these other ladies in it, and you start to think, what's happening to this? Who, why did you put it that, why did you put Solomon by, the, by Uriah's wife? Did you have to word it that way? This genealogy is full of sinners and murderers and adulterers and pagan worshipers. Why did you do it that way? But there's a point. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, um, Matthew's four, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, they're probably all Gentiles, and since Ruth was a Moabitess, she would not overlook 
You cannot overlook the fact that to the 10th generation, a Moabite was not to be admitted to the congregation. Three of the four are morally, morally dubious reputation. Matthew is surely saying that the gospel is for all people, not Jews only, that the gospel is for sinners. It is a sinful world, and Matthew is writing about grace. Um, you look at this genealogy, and it is just overflowing with grace and mercy. You see, you see sin in here. You see mistakes. Um, this is not the just shiny, sparkly genealogy. The lineage of Christ is not... There's a lot of uh, messy things in there, but it's a reminder for us to look at this. that It's, it's a genealogy of grace. The gospel is just rich with this. Another... Another reason why, as we, as we keep moving on, that Christ came. You look at this gospel, or this genealogy, and there's a whole lot of sin. There's, there's a need for a Savior. So we see Matthew's genealogy is full of grace. It's full of sin. The history of the people elected to be the people of the Messiah is one of grace and not glory. Their sin and their imperfections ultimately will fulfill the plan of redemption. As we, we, we kind of want to, I'll probably be using words, I'll be going back and forth. I'll be focusing on Matthew 1, but also looking at the whole Bible, the way Matthew 1 is fitting in this, the way that these people in the genealogy fit in this. The patriarchs, they had imperfections, but Christ has no imperfections. They couldn't do it. Christ will do it and has done it. So Matthew 1 is fulfillment of that. We look at the genealogy. Um, there's, there's a lot of names. The most prominent thing are the four names that stick out. Um, so we'll trans- transition from the genealogy into Joseph's story. But, but what Matthew is saying with this, this genealogy, in order for Jesus to be man... Man has a genealogy. God has no genealogy. God was. Jesus is the son of man. He traces it back. Matthew is saying in this genealogy that Jesus is man. He is the son of man. And remember, we might know this. I know Jesus is the man, but it's really hard to explain when we don't understand. Jesus is the son of man. So as we move on from the genealogy of Matthew, um, Matthew makes the point. um, It's full of sinners. It's full of grace. Jesus is man. He moves on to the next section, which is Joseph's story. We know Mary's story. Mary's story is in Luke. Um, But this is is Joseph's side of it. Not much is known about Joseph. Um, So let me just read this again, and we'll go through a few more observations about this passage. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, engaged, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as she considered these things, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this to take place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. So let's just make some quick observations about this. We're getting Joseph's side. We don't know much about Joseph. Joseph is part of the genealogy. Joseph is important, even though we don't know much about him. Joseph is the first to believe the promise and act in faith. Joseph was set to divorce Mary. I mean, put yourself in Joseph's shoe. Um, Just if we can kind of look at this from his point of view. You're engaged to this woman. This woman is found to be with child. There has to be a lot of thoughts going through there. And and we know we know it. We know that this is a tough situation for Joseph. He's he's contemplating this. And as he does, an angel appears, an unnamed one. When one appears to Mary, um, he's given a name, but this one has no name. Joseph is the first to believe the promise and act in faith. He does exactly what the angel tells him. Even though it would seem contrary to what he should do, he acts in faith. He does it. Joseph is an important figure in this story, even though we don't know much about him. He's part of the lineage of Christ. And it's interesting that, I mean, even I find this interesting. Joseph had every right to know Mary, but he didn't. All the way, there's, there's no confusion that, oh, maybe Joseph is the dad. You know, according to this, nope, it's not. Mary's a virgin. And Joseph kept it that way. Joseph is very important to this. So with with this section, we want to transition from, we're in, we're in the latter half of Joseph's story, but we want to go from looking at it in Joseph's point of view to now switching to, I don't want to say God's point of view, but looking at the other, the other influences that are happening here. We see that the Holy Spirit is present here. The Trinity is present here. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. This is all done by the Holy, Holy Spirit's work. The Trinity is heavily a part of this story. Just like when the world was began. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit is influential. The Holy Spirit... Created. Here, the Holy Spirit is, again, influential in the birth of Christ. So what Matthew is saying in this section, what we want to take away, in the genealogy, Jesus is the Son of Man. In this section, Jesus is the Son of God. Joseph is not his father. Mary is a virgin. It is impossible for him to be born. The Holy Spirit is at work there, bringing about this impossibility. He's a son of God. He's a son of man. Again, we, we know these things, but it's really hard to explain what we do not understand. And what we'll get more to, why is it important? Why is Matthew 1 important? Why is it important that Jesus is the son of man? Why is it important that Jesus is the son of God? So all three are present in this passage. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one bringing about this miraculous work that will bring about life. The Holy Spirit is at creation. He's again present here at the conception of Christ. 
So we, we want to move, we've moved all the way through Matthew really to camp on verse 21. Um, I believe verse 21, if you, if you really want to put it in a nutshell, could be the thesis of the Bible. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for, for he will save his people from their sins. Sin is, sin is the point. He will say, and specifically his people from their sins, not, not the world, his, his own people from their sins. He came specifically to save his people. This is why Matthew is important. Jesus came to save sinners. When, when you would read this in, a, in the context of everything that's happening, on, happening in Matthew 1, th- this would have to seem shocking, that Christ came for sinners. We know we need save, saving from sin, but come on, we're under oppression here. Jews are under oppression here. We want someone to come and overthrow that. We want stability, but Christ came as a baby they named him Jesus specifically to save his people from their sins. Now, as I thought of this, there's enough babies in our church. Could you imagine looking at one and thinking that, like, the, the humility for God to come as a baby? Imagine if the baby you're holding was the creator who created the world. Imagine knowing that. What humility for the creator of the world to come as a, as a helpless baby, I'm sure we all know how helpless babies are. So, I mean, imagine, imagine the create, like, just think about that. Some, it's hard to, it's hard for me to fathom. And, and again, we know this. We, we know that this Jesus is the son of God. We know that he is the son of man, but the humility it must take. And, and having Harrison, I think I, maybe because he's only four months old, it's more fresh with me, but just to think of, the humility to be a helpless baby would die without care. That that is the Son of God. So the name Jesus is important as well. The name Jesus means salvation is of the Lord. Names are important. Emmanuel means God with us. So Literally, God is with us. Physically, God is with us. Spiritually, God is with us. These names are important. Jesus, salvation is of the Lord. Unlike Joshua, who came before him, who is a Hebrew name of Jesus, Jesus would save his people and bring them to rest. Joshua could not. Christ will. So with this, Matthew makes the point, Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. Come to save us from our sins. Why do we need saved from our sins? Why do we need him? Why is he born? Why do we need Jesus the Christ come to save us specifically from our sins? I think we all know the answer to that. So the Christmas story is not merely one of just looking back and reflecting, but thinking of the grand scheme of things. There's the fall. There's a need for a Savior. The Savior has come. 
Jesus Christ is here specifically to save his own people. Verse 21 gives us the purpose of the Christ because it was never truly revealed. They, they long for a Messiah. They long for the one to come. And now they find he, he has come to save from sin. Sin is the big threat. Sin is why there is a redemptive plan. Sin is the, why, the reason why Christ came to die, came to our earth in the form of a babe and died. What those in the Old Testament could not do, he will and he has done. Again, he's the better Adam. He's the only son who would lay his life down for us. And we, we see this example with Isaac. He's the better Moses, better Joshua. But he's the perfect judge, the perfect high priest, the sacrificial lamb, and he is the king of kings. He will come back. So we're focusing on right now, Christ has come. Christ is the Savior. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin. We celebrate this right now, but as we go through this, we also we look back to celebrate this while we also look forward to celebrate his return. He came, he is coming back, and not as a baby, but a king. Not in a humble state, but in the highest glory and honor. He came first as a lamb, and he will come back as a lion. So maybe this seems unrelated to the Christmas story, but the longing affection we have as we look back at the birth of Christ, we long for his return as well. This is the plan of redemption, that Christ would be born. This is the plan of redemption that goes back all the way to the garden. Never changed, never altered. When man sinned, it was not conceived, it always was. It was always the plan from before, before all time. Matthew 1 is always the plan. The cross was always the plan. Salvation for our sin through Christ was always the plan. The serpent would strike, but he would be crushed beneath his heel. Christ coming back in glory is always the plan. So as we close, um, we've gone through the sections. The genealogy shows us Jesus, son of man. The story of Joseph shows us son of God. He reveals that Jesus is the Christ, come to save us from our sin. Let's, let's zoom out now as we look at Matthew 1 um, in, in light of the whole Bible. Why, why is Matthew 1 important? There was the creation, there was the garden, there was the fall of man. God chose Abraham, types and shadows of the Messiah to come. There's prophecies about the Messiah to come. There was oppression, sorrow, murder, longing. Matthew 1, Christ is here. As a babe. Not as a king yet, but he will come as a king came as a lamb so we, we think about all of this he, he came to save us from our sins specifically his own people this was accomplished by the work on the cross the resurrection and the ascension to the right hand of the father he, he came to die for us so it's not we want to get away from that it's a cute story about Christ and Joseph must have had a really hard time, but 
you know, this is important. This is, in a sense, we're almost, we're in the middle of the redemptive plan. Man fell. Christ was the plan. Christ dies on the cross. Christ ascends back to heaven. Christ is coming back to make all things new. All things right. This is the whole redemptive plan. So as we, as we look back and we long for, as we look back and, and we, we look at the, the birth of Christ, we also, we also look forward for the return of Christ. The return of him to make all things new. And, I mean, we, 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 we ought to long for this. And longing might even be a, not a strong enough word. We ought to just long for Christ to come back. So with closing, I want to I wanna read to you from 1 Thessalonians 5. In, in light of his coming, again. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of love and faith, and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are always doing. Matthew 1 is part of the redemptive plan of history. Before, before time, before the world was created, it was always the plan. Christ would come. Christ specifically would come to save us from our sin. Sin was the greatest need, not oppression. Sin, from our sin, specifically his own sin. Christ died on the cross. He rose triumphant over the grave. And now we long for his return. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we long for your return. We, we look back and our minds can't fully fathom the, the humility of God the creator coming back in human form as a babe. coming back in human helpless form to, to die for us, to die for me. What love this is, what grace you have given to us that we do not deserve. What mercy. Lord, we long for your return to make all things right. We're tired of this fight with the flesh, with sin. Lord, come quickly.
We pray these things in your name. Amen.